2: FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to Financial Survival Network.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also
1: get three free reports.
2: The Financial Survival Network.
1: It's all about what's next.
2: Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network, and I'm Carrie Lutz. And you know that we're big into the mining sector. Because in today's market with overinflated, overvalued bang stocks and big board, yeah, it's been going up and it's kept going up, but that's going to come to an end. There really aren't very many undervalued sectors in the market. And that's why we've got involved with junior mining resource stocks in the first place. But now, more than ever, the case seems to be incredibly compelling, and we try to bring you companies that are most compelling in the sector, and we've got one for you now. In full disclosure, I own shares in the company, I've been acquiring them over the past couple of weeks, hasn't been that easy. And, uh, and the company, of course, is a sponsor of Financial Survival Network. The company I'm talking about is Doré Copper Mining. And we've got the CEO of Doré with us, and that would be Ernie Mast. Ernie, it's great to have you on the show. And I'm looking forward to learning more about Doré and its prospects in
3: the future. Yes, Carrie. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And I'm really looking forward to explaining to your listeners uh, why we're one of the most interesting copper and gold stories in the market these days.
2: Yes, and that's exactly looking at the company, at your presentations, at the uh, financial statements, and uh, at the uh, the land package that you've assembled. It's. I have to say, I'm pretty impressed. Uh, you know, time is an amazing thing. One moment. A mine can be unprofitable, economically unfeasible. And then you let a few years go by, and all of a sudden, that mine that was closed, that's on care and maintenance, has the potential to be a stellar performer. Don't you find that interesting?
3: Yeah. As we know, mining's a cyclical business, and the camp that we're working in uh, is in northern Quebec. It produced 1.6 billion pounds of copper and 4.4 million ounces of gold. And it the the company who had the assets closed operations in 2008 for a variety of reasons, uh, mainly because of ore depletion, but also at the time, the, uh, the metal prices were very low because of the financial crisis and gold really hadn't hit its stride yet. So when we look at things 12 years later, it's definitely a different playing field. Okay. And
2: so the opportunity presents itself to you and you've got a obviously, mining is like the biggest risk out there to actually move ahead. Uh, what thought process did you use when you analyzed the project?
3: So when we first got involved in the project in 2017, it was myself and two other mining professionals. We looked at these assets and we saw, A, very good grades, and B, we saw a number of past-producing mines And uh, we began looking a little deeper into the different assets and we realized there really was tremendous potential here. The past operator hadn't done a lot of work on the deposits over the last 10 years leading up to the closure in 2008. And then uh, upon entering into the assets, the exploration work we did leading off in 2017 and 2018 really showed that there's a lot of still exploration potential here. So the first step that we look at is the fact that there are resources in the ground. Then the second step we look at is you look at jurisdiction, you look at the infrastructure you need, you look at where you are. And we really have the boxes checked regarding those last three points. Uh, Being in the province of Quebec, wonderful jurisdiction, very supportive to the mining industry. Uh, Being close to the town of Shibugamu, it's a mining town. It was actually built in the 1950s to support our projects. And third, uh, we have road access to our properties, we have electricity, uh, we have the mill built already. So we've got a lot of infrastructure there too. So we've got a great head start compared to any other project you would look at.
2: Yeah, and the mill, right? From what I understand, 2,700 tons per day and 8 million ton tailings facility, that's just ready to go. And if you were building this mine from scratch, there would be approvals, there would be years-long delays, but here you've got the, the head start on this.
3: Correct. Uh, you know, we estimate a new mill of that size uh, would cost uh, between, say, 50 and 100 million dollars to build. Uh, it, it's not as easy for us as just to flip the switch. There are some repairs we need to do, but they're really minimal compared to building a new mill. And again, having a tailings facility with 8 million tons of capacity is a huge advantage. Uh, in fact, the image you see behind me is the tailings facility. This is the sedimentation pond. Uh, so the, 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 the waters from the tailings uh, come to the area uh, behind me and then they exit to Dore. We actually sample the water here on a weekly basis as if we're an operating mine. And uh, water quality is exceptional.
2: Yeah, and that's good. We always look for that in any company, especially in this day and age that's doing resource exploitation work that's in the resource sector. We always look to see are you environmentally aware because we've seen too many stories of uh, mines, you know, running into major troubles were not And so you're on the grid, you're by a highway, you're by a town, you're uh, eight miles away from uh, a town. Uh, This makes uh, so many of the challenges of mining really so much easier.
3: Yeah, absolutely right. And one of the interesting things about working in that town is uh, whenever I'm there, I, I visit some of the local authorities and I visit um, some of the other industries, and to a person, we always meet people with a personal link to our mines. It was someone's father, it was someone's uncle, it was someone's brother. Uh, the people moved to the town of Chibougamau to work at our mines from another part of Quebec. So we're really part of the fabric of the community, and we get a tremendous amount of support from the local community in terms of looking to restart the facility. I'm
2: sure the local community can't wait Till you get started. And speaking of that, so we're talking a couple of years, basically two, three years down the road, maybe a little faster if things fall into place faster.
3: Yeah. So it, you know, the timeline at this point is relatively fluid. Uh, we do have to prove out more resources in order to put together a life of mine plan that we feel can uh, finance a type of 10 to 12-year mine plan, mine life. And, uh, and it also depends on how the markets are. Obviously, with a ripping copper market like we have now, uh, we'd be able to acquire or obtain financing much quicker than in the case where the markets weren't as strong as they are now. So uh, we're we're relatively uh, fluid in terms of the decision when to start production. But the timelines that you put forward three years, uh, that's a reasonable timeline if things progress as we expect them to.
2: Right. And copper has just been on fire lately. And that's got to be really uh, revving up the engine to get this project into production.
3: Correct. Yeah, the economics obviously of the project are enhanced with higher copper prices, and the longer the copper price stays at this 350 uh, level, uh, the 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 more likelihood we have of being able to use higher copper prices in our financial evaluation of the project. Uh, We think fundamentally the copper price is well supported at these levels. There's issues going on in the copper market with supply, with demand, and all of them are really you know, pointing towards a tightening copper market.
2: It's so funny because uh, just a couple of years ago, I was working with copper copper companies, and it was so hard to generate interest in this sector. And you, like you and I know, for years and years and years, we've been in a deficit production situation with copper. We have been consuming more copper than we've been producing for a number of years, and it's only gotten worse as the demand for copper has grown. So at some point we had to see this. I mean, you, you, you anticipating $4 copper in the near future?
3: Yeah, I, I would think we're well on the trajectory towards that. And it's interesting your point about uh, a lack of interest. We we did an RTO for the company in 2019, and, and a lot of the people I spoke with said, sounds like you've got a great project, but we're not interested in copper now. And a lot of those people, in fact, Uh, have changed tune and they're becoming shareholders now. So we can really see a big reversal in the market. And one of the things I should mention is our resources on a copper scale are relatively low. Your listeners may be uh, familiar with Freeport or some of the other large, large copper producers and and our resources are a fraction of those. However, really what differentiates us is our grades. Our our major copper deposit is the Corner Bay mine, and our grades are about 3.5% copper. Uh, That's far in excess of uh, any other project that you're going to see, or most of the other projects that you're going to see. And plus, in addition, we've got a nice gold credit uh, in addition to the copper. So I think that makes our story even more compelling
2: yeah for sure and uh, so you've been a been a dual beneficiary in effect of higher copper prices higher gold prices you know now we're heading again in gold to close to $1900 the ounce as we're speaking and really uh, if you believe the predictions out there, the forecast could go substantially higher and all of that just makes it easier. And uh, as if that wasn't enough, there's more. Uh, Of course, you have a very tight share structure, especially compared to many of your peers up north.
3: That's correct. We currently have a structure whereby our major shareholders and insiders are are over 50% of the company. The float of the company is currently about 41%. And so uh, that means that when we see increased demand for the stock, uh, the the price really has nowhere to go but up. And and that's one of the efforts we've been doing in terms of getting the the, the company's name out there. We recently listed on the OTC under DRCMF, and we're seeing good volumes on the OTC and we're uh, reaching out to shareholders in the US as well as Canada in terms of telling the story. Because as we know, people are looking for copper stories now. Uh, They're seeing the electrification going on in the transportation industry. And uh, maybe they're getting a sense that a lot of the large, uh, the giant mines that have been producing in the southwest U.S. and in South America have had grade depletion and and new copper is needed to replace those units that are falling off the market.
2: Absolutely. I I should mention that the uh, ticker symbols on the OTC, it's D-R-C-M-F, and on the uh, Toronto Venture, D-C-M-C. And again, the website is dorecopper.com, D-O-R-E-copper.com. And yeah, so your prospects here really, really are looking up. I love the tight share structure because invariably you're going to need to raise some capital down the road. And as the story unfolds, because the share structures tight, uh, when you do have to go back, you'll be able to keep dilution to a minimum.
3: That's correct. And, and, uh, you know, we really started out the company strongly uh, with the tight share structure. The other thing I should mention is we've got an excellent uh, management team and excellent board of directors. Board of directors is a mix of Canadians and Americans, a uh, mix of operating exploration and finance people and a mix of uh, older and younger people. So it, it's, really, uh, it's really good for me as a CEO to have such a wide range of experiences that I can tap on on the board of directors. So we're really looking uh, to uh, move this company forward and take advantage of the excellent markets that exist for us.
2: Yeah, which they certainly do. And uh, about your larger shareholders, can you tell us something about them?
3: Yes, the largest shareholder is a group called Ocean Partners. Uh, They're based in Connecticut and in London, England. Their main business is metal trading. So they actually uh, buy concentrates from mines and sell them to smelters. They were the owner of our assets uh, when we acquired them. So the deal was they would uh, award us the assets and we would award them 30% of our company. And that's how they became our major shareholder. Uh, they're very supportive. Another major shareholder is an American private equity firm who invests in resource companies, and, and they have technical resources, which has have, have helped us in the past. And as well, uh, we have some uh, Quebec uh, funds investing in the company, such as an exploration fund, as well as a pension fund. So uh, we're very well supported by our major shareholders.
2: That's great. And that should make uh, raising capital in the future, which developing uh, a mine is very capital intensive, that should make things quite a bit easier.
3: Yes, it Chad, And I should also answer, I should also respond that insiders uh, own 19% of the company as well.
2: Which is great because that means the insiders' interests are aligned with the shareholders. And that's something we always like to see here. Hey, anything else you want to tell
3: us, Ernie, about, uh, about what we can look forward to in the uh, coming weeks and months ahead? So uh, we're currently doing a financing and, and that's fully subscribed and that should, term, that should finish in mid-January, after which we should be issuing some drill results and maybe have some updates on some of the strategic initi- initiatives the company's looking to take in 2021. So uh, ask your viewers to keep an eye out for that.
2: Yeah. And one of the best ways you can do that, obviously, is just go over to DoreCopper.com, sign up for notifications. Also, if you've got any questions for Ernie and myself, want to get some more information, you can either contact Ernie direct through the IR department over there, or just send me an email and I'll be happy to forward it off to Ernie. The email address is kl at karylutz.com. Ernie, been really fascinating. Great uh, talking to you, really getting more in-depth in the company. And hopefully, this is going to be a very
3: uh, happy new year ahead. Thank you very much, Kerry. And, and thanks for your listeners for taking the time to listen to our story and, and wishing everyone a uh, safe and prosperous uh, holiday season in 2021 fsn
2: radio it's all about what's next go to financialsurvivalnetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter you'll also get three free reports the financial survival network it's all about what's next